Welcome to another episode of Big Ten Spotlight. He is Dion Thomas, the all-time leading scorer in Illinois, fighting Illini history. I am Aaron York, the all-time leader, I think, haven't double-checked it in making TikToks about Penn State basketball as I, I made a happy one recently because they won at the Palestra. But this is Big Ten Spotlight. We're going to shine the spotlight on a few Big Ten teams today. But first, you should try to like and subscribe like and subscribe to us on YouTube. We're Big Ten Spotlight on YouTube. That's big as in B1G. That is the name of the show. Also, B1G Spotlight on Apple and Spotify. You can leave a five-star review on Apple. As I said, like and subscribe on YouTube or leave us a comment on YouTube so you can complain why we're not talking about your team or why we've misjudged your team, why who we're too high on, who we're too low on, who we have been ignoring possibly. And hit us up on social media. He is at Deion Thomas 25 on X. I am Aaron P. York on X. And you can also find us on Believe.com. You can find all the episodes there. B-L-E-A-V.com and find pretty much any show about any topic in the world of sports. They have everything there on Believe.com. So, Dion, how are you doing? What have you seen? How was that Illinois game at Purdue? I know it was disappointing, but I, I think there was a lot to like as Illinois, they fought. They looked like they were going to get blown out, and then they fought to the end against the Boilermakers at a really tough play to place to play in Mackey Arena. Well, first of all, let me say it's good to be with you again, big fella. Always enjoy sitting Likewise. down doing this, man. Hey, let me tell you something. I, I've told people in the past, one of my favorite places to play is Mackey Arena. And, and it's not because, you know, it's all no frills. This No, it's because, the, you know, it's one of the liveliest places to play, one of the absolute best uh, atmospheres and hey, and take into account the students are not even in camp on campus uh, this past week, but it was still sold out. So that'll tell you the fervor that they have for um, that Boilermaker team uh, over there in West Lafayette, and they should. You know, you you ask how was it? It was tough to watch in the beginning, but there's one thing that I've learned about this Illinois team is that they never quit. Um, they have that characteristic of their head coach, uh, Brad Underwood. So they're never going to quit. And they keep playing, keep fighting, keep scratching, and keep clawing. But the way Purdue came out and punched them in the mouth, I think it took them a little, took them a very long time, took them a half to really get going. And whatever halftime adjustments uh, Brad made, they played a heck of a lot better. But if you look at the overall statistics in the majority of the first half, Illinois played well. I mean, defensively, they just could not get a defensive rebound. And this is one of one of the best defensive rebounding, if not the best defensive rebounding and uh, rebounding team in the country. But my gosh, were they struggling on the glass? And that was probably the biggest um, issue. In that first half, of course, Braden Smith is Braden Smith. He played really well that first half. Zach Eady actually spent most of his time on the bench in the first half. But 
This is why Purdue is the number one team in the country, because you don't have to only depend on your stars. Trey, Kaufman, Wren. Anybody that does not know this young man from Indiana, you better pay attention to him. Right now, he's a hustle guy for Purdue. You know, he's a guy that gets in there and does all the dirty work. Um, But he really hurt Illinois, man. He he hurt Illinois, and that was a huge reason uh, for their struggles in that first half. I mean, his offensive rebounding, his energy that he played with – really, really caused problems for Illinois. And so you ask how it was, really good game to watch, uh, especially once Illinois started to come back, you know, being a little bit of a homer. Yes, Big Ten people. Uh, it, it was really interesting to watch him play. But to see an 83-78 to 78 win um, by Purdue, but to watch them come back and watch them go at one another in that game, very impressive. I mean, that young man ended the game with uh, – 26 points, I believe, 23 points. Yes. And played just really, really well, especially, like I said, big offensive rebounds to go along with it. And then, of course, Zach Eady came in, and he was Zach Eady um, with another double-double. Braden Smith finished with six rebounds, six assists, and uh, I think 10 points, no, 14 points. So it, it was really, you know, it was a really, really good game. Yeah, Trey Kaufman, Ren, he was such a difference maker, especially like you said, Edie was a little limited by foul trouble. And of course, Illinois is going to throw everything at him and force the ball out of his hands. Of course, even though he only played 23 minutes, Edie still grabs 15 rebounds with five on offense. Uh, But like we've said, he can be on the unstoppable force at times. But the theme of this game was Kaufman, Ren breaking out, I think his previous career high is not career high. He did have a career high set last year, but his previous season high this year was 15 points. And that was against Jacksonville. So for him to come out against Illinois score 23 points on eight of 12 shooting and also get to the free throw line, make six free throws. He was, yeah. And then he, he showed his versatility step back. He hit a big three pointer in this game to break up an Illinois run as they were furiously trying to come back. By the way, my guy, Marcus Damask, he, Showed, he put together a second high-scoring game in a row coming off that great game against Northwestern. He scored 26 in this one. He really came alive, I thought, in the second half. Showed off that old-school game where just backing guys down, starting at the three-point line, getting into his office, knocking down shots. And, yeah, it was almost it was almost an amazing comeback. But I think either way, Illinois showed that they have what it takes to be a major factor, not just in the Big Ten, but also nationally without Terrence Shannon Jr. in the lineup as his status is still up in the air with that suspension. And right. I mean, and the way Marcus played, um, you know, was was very inspiring. And, you know, you always look when you don't have your best player, or your leader, who's going to be that guy to step up, you know, and Marcus has, you know, pretty consistently been that second guy, but to see him step up in the last two games and become that first guy, I mean, he not he went one to two from the three this game, you know, didn't shoot a whole lot of three points, but played within himself, as you say, the old man game, you know, but he came out of the game with five assists, only two turnovers to go with the five assists, you know, along with three rebounds, but, you know, you got to take your hat off as well to 
Quincy Guerre, who played extremely well, Luke Goody, and Coleman Hawkins, you know, 11 yes. points, six rebounds. I mean, six uh, assists, four rebounds, had a couple block shots. You know, so you can see the depth in this team. Um, and that's one of the things that's so impressive about Illinois. And, you know, the national uh, – the national voters had to see the same thing. They were ranked number nine going into this game. They dropped one spot. They're still in the top 10, you know, even with as poor a first half as they played, the way they played that second half coming back, like you said, everyone um, better be on notice. And, and this team is really doggone good, even without Terrence Shannon. Absolutely. I think, I think everyone is on notice. I think this Illinois team, I'm, Really excited to play. And like you said, Coleman Hawkins able to block shots and dish out six assists, leading the team in assists from the center position. Just really impressive, his versatility. And that team still very exciting. Two teams that haven't been very exciting. In fact, they've been very disappointing. And I think they have to be panicking a little bit. In fact, they're going to play against each other on Thursday in what could amount to a loser loser goes home game with maybe the, the, the loser could be eliminated almost from the NCAA tournament. That's how these teams have gone so far. It's Michigan and Maryland. Michigan has now lost four in a row. They just lost to my Nittany Lions in the Palestra. Maryland has only lost two in a row, but they have so few wins or so few quality wins to speak of that Maryland is also in trouble. In fact, their big win, we thought it was a big win at UCLA. It doesn't look like a great win anymore because UCLA has struggled losing seven of eight and they've fallen out of the Ken Palm top 100, which leaves Maryland without any wins in the Ken Palm top 100. Their win against my Nittany Lions, Penn State also outside of that mark despite the two Big Ten wins now. And Maryland needed to be at home, needed overtime just to scratch and claw that one out. So are these two teams in panic mode? Who's in who's in bigger trouble? Who's going to win this game on Thursday, Michigan or Maryland? First of all, I have no idea who's going to win this game. But I will tell you this. Both of these teams better be um, aware of what's going on. And, and, and that, you know, I know they are, you know, because I know the coaches. They have two very good coaches. Uh, one of them happens to be a very good friend of mine. But if you continue down this road of not knowing who you are uh, as, a, as a team, you're going to continue to struggle. And I think this is what's going on with both of these teams. They just have not figured out uh, who they are, you know, what they're about, you know, what's what, – and that's man, it's 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 hard to see because when I coming into this season, I didn't know much about what Michigan was going to do. I, I will say that because they were a little up in the air. But I expected Maryland to be better than what they are. And you're right; they have done nothing but struggle on top of struggle on top of struggle. And now they have no quality wins. So they're definitely right now. If you had to put together 64 teams. I don't even know if they're in the NIT right now. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it's a struggle. Yeah. And then yeah. Michigan, on the other hand, I mean, you're you're getting references of, across the, the Internet, which thank God nobody listens to the Internet. At least I hope they don't. You know, is Juwan's job in trouble? You know, how, how far can this Michigan team go and fall? You know, he's 
and, and, and not be in a panic. So you ask if they're in a panic. Oh, yeah, they're all in a panic. And, and they're both in the panic. I mean, and they should be. Who's going to win this game? I have absolutely no idea because neither of these teams have shown right now that they can win at home, let alone go on the road and win a game if necessary. And that's where the 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 confusion is with both of these teams. Yeah, and like you said with Juwan Howard, he is still not – being you're acting as the head coach, at least during games, Phil Martelli is filling that role because of the, the heart surgery, the yes. heart surgery that Juwan is coming off of. So it's really hard to say if his job is in jeopardy because we don't know how much coaching he's actually doing. And of course, you have to think that his status is having an effect on that team. Yeah. And so, you, know, you know, like I know, um, Everything in, in sports, college, whether it's college or pro, you're judged off of wins and losses. And so far, he's done a good job since he's been at Michigan. Again, this is one of my best friends, and I want nothing yeah. but the best for him. But right now, your team is struggling. And you're right. He is on limited duty. But at the end, you know, the board of directors, the athletic director, they're not going to bring – they're not going to blame Martelli. You know what I'm yeah. saying? This all, this all falls back on the head coach in, in every instance. So, of course, as I want the best for him, and he knows that, and, and anybody, you know, I, I get a lot of flack sometimes from my Illinois people because he went to Michigan and everything else. But I tell him that's been my guy since we was in high school. So I want the absolute best for him. But I'm, I'm afraid right now because Michigan is struggling, and, and the head coach is the one that gets the blame. The assistant coach doesn't get the blame. The head coach does. And right now, sitting at six and nine on a four-game losing streak, one and three in your conference, that, that's going to be tough. And that's going to be tough to overcome for, for him and for anyone. Yeah, for sure. Especially, especially after the disappointing way that last season ended yeah. with the, uh, the that early loss in the NCAA tournament when they were right on the not the NCAA, the early loss in the Big Ten tournament when they were on the mm-hmm. NCAA bubble, knocking them out. That was, I'm sure, tough for fans to swallow. At least they have that big football win last night. But as we get into basketball season now, more of that Big Ten spotlight is going to shine on Michigan. And it is showcasing a lot of ugliness right now, especially in the turnover department. That's how my Nittany Lions were able to win in Philly, causing 19 Michigan turnovers. That's been a big weakness for them. Also, Doug McDaniel. In the losses, their last two losses to Minnesota and Penn State, he's totaled just 20 points and two of seven on threes. He's been someone who's looked like a superstar at times, but the last two games, his shot hasn't been following. He's not getting to the free throw line either, which is something he can also do. He's someone who we've seen can score from anywhere, but he's not getting it done from long range, and he's not getting it done as far as driving to the basket either. So if you're talking about guys who need to step up. Doug McDaniel is on the top of the list. And as far as Maryland goes, Maryland, they also fell to one and three in Big Ten play. By the way, I think I like Michigan's talent a little better. They're going to be on the road on Thursday. So it is going to be a tie game. I will put a prediction in. I will predict a Michigan victory. But obviously, I wouldn't be surprised either way since both these teams are struggling. But uh, Maryland has its own issues. 
although their star point guard has been playing a little better than Michigan's Jameer Young has been putting up points, but in the recent loss against Purdue, he did not get any help. He only scored, he scored 26 points, but Maryland as a whole scored 53. Young had zero assists. No other Terrapin was in double figures in that game. If someone else stepped up, including Julian Reese, who was, it's crazy to say he was shut out, but he's, he was shut out against Purdue. He scored zero points. He's averaging, I think, 13 for that team. Yeah. But if he if he had played a little better, maybe Maryland has a chance to pull the upset at home against Purdue last week. And then in the Minnesota game, Young only 5 of 17 from the field. Maryland turned the ball over a bunch. And at least he got some more from his supporting cast as Donta Scott and Julian Reese scored 14 points each. But it was not enough to take down those surging Gophers as we're going to get to them in yeah, a minute. Man. They, they they are showing they are showing us some stuff, but no, you you're right. I mean, I I, I don't know though. I you know it's really really hard to play in College Park. Um, their fan base is is rabid, and it's again it's a great atmosphere, and that is my fear for Michigan. I mean, this team right now, again, your leaders have to be in place. You know, and if, if your guys on the floor aren't going to be the ones to step up and lead you through victory, you mentioned McDaniel. McDaniel has played amazing, really good player, like him a lot. But at the same time, you you can't you have to be a leader as well and be able to will your guys along. And, you know, like I know this team is is they, they suffer in that in that area right now. You know, no one is the true leader. At least it doesn't look like that on the floor. Whereas, you know, Maryland has a little bit more experience on their team. Julian Reese, who is now a junior, Dante Scott, who's been there for a while. They have a little bit more, uh, I believe, leadership. I don't know if they have as much talent, um, but you got some guys on that team that can put up some numbers and they're playing on the road. So you chose Michigan, I, you know, and I felt I needed to go ahead and throw me one in there. Yeah, I hate to bet against my guy Juwan, but I may have to go with Maryland on this one because they're on they're on their home court, and yeah. I know how difficult it is to play there. But you know, you brought up Minnesota, man. Minnesota, who who saw it coming? <laughs> yeah, I don't I think anyone in the country uh, saw it coming, and they have been nothing but um, spectacular. I mean, this team has played so well um, with <clears> – sorry about that – with a game coming up, you know, against uh, Wisconsin here pretty soon. But, yeah, you know, they they have looked and have played extremely well. You know, and you get the the, the young coaching staff because they are young and, and their second – this second go-around this year, you know, they've been able to pull some things together and really get these guys going. And you talked about, you know, just the 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 play and the competition that they've gone up against. Um, they've just looked really good. And you and I, you know, and, and I think a host of others have missed this. But, you know, Dawson Garcia has continued. He played really well last year for them. He's come out again and has continued to play that well. You know, Mike Mitchell. Didn't see him getting in, you know, into double figures, playing really well this year. I mean, they literally have four guys 
averaging double figures. But I think one of the, their better jobs, which does not get enough uh, fanfare, is they're only giving up 66 points a game. This team is defending, and, and they're locking down. And I think that's where their identity lies. Yeah, and I think you can excuse us for overlooking Minnesota just because in the non-conference slate, they weren't showing up in a lot of mm-hmm. huge matchups. They lost their only two really challenging games in the non-conference. They lost to Missouri. They lost to San Francisco. And mm-hmm. then they they did pull off that, that surprising win against Nebraska when they didn't have Dawson Garcia. They come from behind. They beat Nebraska. So that put us on notice a little bit, but we didn't know at that point how good Nebraska was. But then... Yes. They come out of the new year and they win back-to-back games at Michigan. Who Michigan, at that point, they also desperately needed a win. You figure home against Minnesota, Michigan's got to win this game. But no, Minnesota takes that game in a very hotly contested contest and then also comes home and then beats, beats a struggling Maryland team and they need to come back and win that one. And I think the player who stood out to me, Elijah Hawkins, and he recently yeah. got some from – John Rothstein, who was talking about how I think someone asked him to have dinner plans on Sunday night. He said, no, I got to watch Elijah Hawkins play against Maryland. And Hawkins showed out. He had how many assists in that game? I think he had eight or nine assists. He is averaging 7.8 assists this year, which is second in the country. And he's someone who transferred over from Howard. You figure he would take some time adjusting to Big Ten play, but he looks like he's played in the Big Ten for the past three years. He's been that efficient. He's been, he knows when to pass. He knows when to shoot. He's got a great three-point shot as well. So you can't mm-hmm. just play back on him. You have to play up on him, and that can lead to him setting up for other players. So in addition to Garcia, they have now this this great point guard is one of the great best point guards in the conference, maybe in the country. As you look at his assist numbers. And he's little, man. He's little. He's he's a little guy, man. He's blazing fast. I think his, his grids might be longer than than, taller than he is, but he plays with a lot of heart, gets his teammates involved, can put the ball in the basket. Um, yeah, I, I really like that young guy. And anytime you can have an inside-outside punch uh, the way they do, then it gives you an opportunity to win. And then, again, they're defending. You know, they're defending. They're, they're rebounding the basketball. They're averaging close to 40 rebounds total a game. So they're really doing some damage from a team standpoint on the rebounds. And, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. This team has looked really good. Man. And it's, it's just to see – it's going to be interesting to see – where this team continues to go as they move into the meat of their schedule. I mean, because like you said, you they didn't they haven't beat a powerhouse yet. How how do they look as they move into continue to go into the Big Ten season and, and get into some of these deeper uh matchups against you know more quad one uh quality teams? You know, they come to Illinois this year, they're gonna have to play Purdue at some point. Um they're gonna have to go up against you know, I know they got Nebraska once before, but they're going to have to go up against Indiana. You know, and Indiana's a pretty good doggone team, regardless of how they have been playing. They've already lost to Ohio State. How do they continue to go, and how do they continue to look as they move through the Big Ten? That's what's going to be 
Uh, interesting. I mean, to see how they go. Yeah, man, and they still got to play Iowa, Michigan State, which is another team that's up and down like uh, uh, the ocean. Um, yes. So, yeah, this team's pretty doggone good. But they got they still have some growing to do. Um, but Ben Johnson's done a really good job over there at, Michigan, at um, Minnesota so far. Yeah, and – they are off to a great start. They're 12 and three, three and one in conference, but they still have a ton of work to do because of how soft that non-conference schedule was. It was lacking quality opponents. So right now, uh, according to the latest ESPN bracketology, they are not in the field. So they still have a lot of work to do. They're probably because of the non-conference, even going 500 in a, in a, in a tough big 10, that might not even be enough, depending on who the wins are over, how the other teams play. So they really have to make up for some lost ground, but they're off to a great start. They play at Indiana on Friday. That's going to be a great game to watch because Indiana, despite the win over Ohio State that they really needed, that they got, which was very impressive, especially Xavier Johnson coming back from injury, playing well. Despite that, Indiana's also on the bubble, not in the tournament, according to some of the experts. So an early, early bubble battle to watch coming up on Friday. But we will head out of here unless, Dion, if you have uh, if you have anything else, uh, I think we are ready to head out and get ready for another exciting week of Big Ten basketball. Looking forward to tonight's games. Um, you know, Purdue, Nebraska, and um, and Lincoln should be a good game. Nebraska can get going out there from the three point line, so we'll have to see how Purdue defends that. Anna um, uh, is in Pascataway, New Jersey tonight. Got that's going to be a tough place to win, um, especially when you're a team like I said that's up and down as Indiana has been so far this year. But they're eleven and four against eight and six. Which team is going to show up today? That's what's going to be interesting. But that Purdue-Nebraska uh, game should be pretty fun. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to that, that Indiana-Rutgers clash as well. Rutgers starts 0-3 in conference. They really need a win. And Indiana yeah, still needs to keep building, see if they can keep building off of that uh, a win over Ohio State. Now they go on the road. So I think that game's going to be really competitive and – yeah, Purdue. It's it's been it's been tough in Lincoln. Link uh, the Nebraska's obviously got some players. I love watching Tominaga. They've got some players who can put some pressure on the Boilermakers. And yeah, it's, Purdue's just fun to watch. They're just an attraction wherever yeah, they go in Big Ten land. So I am Aaron York. He is Dion Thomas. We are on X. We are B1G Spotlight on YouTube. B1G Spotlight on Apple and Spotify. On Apple, you can leave a five-star review. You can like and subscribe on YouTube. Leave a comment. Hit us up on social media and find our show as well as many, many others on Believe, B-L-E-A-V.com. This is Aaron and Dion. We are signing off. See you next time.